This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist with Mississippi Today. Hey, if you're a Jackson native, well, my guest today needs no introduction. He's Bill Ellison. He's a musician and radio host based right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Bill's a vocalist and a guitarist and a pianist. He's performed professionally for a zillion and a half years. I know it's going to read off all these years and it starts sounding like a, a chapter out of the Old Testament. Uh, but anyway, he's played all styles of music from bluegrass to jazz. Bill's worked for radio and television stations in Jackson and Memphis during his 45 broadcasting year broadcasting career in several uh, capacities, including news reporter, morning radio personality, account executive. You've also done the management thing also. Uh, briefly. <laughs> briefly. Yeah, he did briefly on the management thing. See, I know. I they, they gave me the title editor-at-large, and I was like, does this mean I have to actually be an editor? So have, like, have to actually uh, try to manage people? I yeah. can't manage myself. You Man, know? you are such a fixture around here, though, in MPB, and, and for years, you ended up getting Governor's Arts Award for your efforts. Um, I, I tell you, Grassroots has always been one of my favorite shows, and, um, and, and the beauty about today's show was— and I was telling this to Lacey, and I was came in here on two wheels today. Um, I got a brand new car. I literally bought a car two months ago. Today I got a rock ding in the windshield. Uh, that that is such a Mississippi thing. Same thing happened to me once. Yeah, it's such a Mississippi thing. Yep. It's our hidden tax yep. in Mississippi, your rock dings. But anyway, so anyway, I come scooting in here, and I wasn't worried because I knew you were here, and I thought, you know, Bill could do the show better than me. No, not true. Thank you so much. And thanks so, for being in here today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really – like I, said, I meant what I said earlier, that I was so honored to be on your show. And thank you for the kind words about grassroots. I really appreciate that. Oh, my gosh, that's great. You know, it's not something that you started. But you got it. You, you, you it was handed off to you, and you, and you just kind of ran with it. And you had fun with it, and you made it original, and you made it uh, fresh. And you never, you know, you didn't tape it initially, and I know you do. Right. Now you got your own studio, and then they tore it down. <laughs> um, so hey, it was a great. It was a nice gesture. It was a nice gesture. But you know, people when I run into people like and and say just what you said which is uh, i really love grassroots i listen all the time it just means so much because i have done the show now for 30 what 32 years in may it'll be 32 i believe and uh, i love i love producing the show and when somebody comes up and says i listen every saturday night just means so much it makes it worth it and you mentioned i didn't start the show and that's correct i and but i loved grassroots prior to yeah you know, when I started the show, because I was playing bluegrass at the time and I was an old radio guy. And Mike Morgan, who was the original host. Yeah, Mike went to Alabama, didn't he? He did. Yeah, what's he up to now? You know, I don't know uh, now, but uh, when when we were fortunate enough to get the Governor's Award in 2010, uh, I got to thinking about it. You know, you have to go down and make a little speech and, yeah. and all that. And it was just such an honor and a wonderful thing. But I got to thinking about it, and I said, you know, Mike, Mike should be a part of this. So 
I got on the on the net and found him, ran him down, found his phone number, called him up and said, Mike, uh, the show's going to win an award. I would love for you to be here. I thought it was a long shot, yeah. but he said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be there. Oh, so he really came great. over yeah, that's and wonderful. he was in the audience uh, uh, and I recognized him and it meant so much to me. And I think it meant a lot to him, too, because he had hosted the show from... Whenever MPB radio came on the air, Kevin Farrell will have to, t I think it's 82 or 83. I can't remember. But, Don't call um, Kevin out like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Kevin. like, yeah. Kevin's, I think, the only person here that was here at the time. But, yeah, when MPB radio came on the air, Grassroots was one of the original shows. And Mike hosted it from 82 or 83 until I took over in May of 92. My, my favorite story about Grassroots was, and I think we all felt this way, was the week of Katrina. This, that was the first show other than emergency broadcasting that MPB broadcast. That's right. And you weren't going to just go with a canned episode. You were going to go with something that reflected the mood. Because I was that way about my art, too, my cartoons. You know, my cartoons were incredibly serious at that time. And, you know, I went down and worked, and I'd see them cut out everywhere. Because, you know, I was thinking about the people that had been affected. Right. And you created this beautiful show that completely reflected the moment down the coast, and you got some really nice feedback from people. I really did. I was proud of that. Uh, that was, you know, that was a trying time for everybody. What Katrina was on a Monday, is that right? Yeah, I believe it was a Monday. Well, uh, MPB of course went twenty four seven coverage of Katrina, and at, at the time Gene Edwards was was kind of That's our right. host, and yeah. he did. Uh, Gene passed away here a few months ago. I was really sad to see that. Yeah, Gene very was, sad. Yeah. But he did a remarkable job as kind of the anchor of all of MPB's radio coverage. And from the, from the day Katrina hit all the way until uh, the end of the week, it was round-the-clock coverage and, of Katrina and the aftermath. And um, they, they called me, I think, on Friday and said, look— uh, have a show ready. Just just do one of your recorded shows or something. Have it ready because we may go into uh, music on Saturday. We may not. We just don't know. And I got to thinking about it. And I said, I can't just play happy band. Like you said, I yeah. can't just happy band, Joe, everything's great. You know, I said, I've, I've got to do something, whether they run it or not, I've got to put together some. So I did, I put together a show with that. I thought reflected the mood of the time. I think the first responders, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And sure enough, after a, a full week of 24-7 coverage, on Saturday night at 8, the very first back-to-normal show started, and it was grassroots. And like I say, I was kind of proud of the show. Well, fast forward a few weeks, we get a letter from a listener down there, and he said, uh, he said we, were, we were camped out where our house used to be. We had been kind of picking up the pieces all week long, and... And on Saturday nights, we were listening on a battery radio sitting around like a campfire. I'm sure they didn't have a fire because it's the middle of the summer, but kind of like a little camp. And he said, uh, the show came on, we were listening, uh, uh, and you played a song called Oh Captain. It's an old gospel mm -hmm. song about sailing on the on the stormy seas and, and, and reaching shore. And he said, we held the radio to the heavens and said, we're going to make it. So wow. it meant a lot. Oh, yeah, it it was a really cool story. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of artists hope to end up in the Louvre, but I think for, you know, for, for, for a person who puts together a show to hear that kind of feedback, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it warmed my heart. It, it did. It, did. it was, you know, sometimes you get lucky. You know what song got me after Katrina was Jesse Winchester's Biloxi. 
Yeah, well, I played that that night. Yeah. I, uh, oh, that, my gosh. I, I actually reached out to him and just sent him a long email saying, hey, look, I've been down. I've done some work. And that song is in my head as I'm working along, you know, because I was volunteering. to. I wasn't just being a journalist. I was going down right. to help clean up and help people clean up their lots. And um, I just kept thinking the lyrics of that song. Oh. And he was so kind to write back. I mean, I cherish that. Um, he was such a. Wow. Such what a writer. What you know, I think uh, one of my buddies told me, uh, Bob Dylan mentioned uh, Jesse was one of his favorite songwriters, and that says a lot. But yeah, I played, that was yeah. one of the selections I picked for that night. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Bill, I say, you know, you grew up right here in Jackson, not real far away from where we're sitting right That's now, right. actually. And, in the and Heights, Bellhaven Bell Heights. Hayden, yeah, no kidding. He had a paper route um, through the Jackson Daily News, which was the afternoon How'd you know paper. that? <laughs> Did I tell you that one? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, the old Jackson as Daily a host, I, I just, I'm a stalker. Man, I'm a guys. stalker as a host. That's all I do. I just <laughs> basically go. look in your windows and that'll be in the next break after the next there break. You so no, you, you did that as a kid. I mean, you, and it's just your experiences and everything, your storytelling. Uh, I love that. I, I heard well, you, you talking about how you would go to the apartment complexes where the, you know, younger people lived and you would see the pool furniture in the bottom of the pool. Those those uh, complexes are still there in Bellhaven Heights. I would walk through there on five o'clock on Sunday mornings. Back then, they had a com combination paper, the Clarion Ledger and Jackson Daily That's News right. combined on mm -hmm. Sunday mornings. I'd walk before daylight, dropping papers at each door. And they had had a party the night before, one, and all the pool furniture was in the pool. I, remember, I was 12 doing that. And if I, you could lift those big, papers. That had a big yeah. impression on me. Yeah, no kidding. You're like, okay, life goals yeah, right here. Exactly. This is what I want to be. I'm going to live here. But, I mean, when you were 12, obviously, you were just starting music, and music was becoming a big part of your life. You were a trombone player in quite the, a good one. The Bailey Band. The Bailey, Bailey Band. Junior High. That's when I started in the seventh grade. Were yeah. you in the in the current Bailey building? Was that what Yes. The, were you yep. really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Two years there, and then I moved. We moved uh, later and went to Callaway. And How'd you graduated. decide on trombone? It's uh, I wanted to play the trumpet. Well, it's uh, my cousin. I, I had not signed up for band, but one of my cousins taught and said, you know, I'd love to. I've always wanted to play an instrument. You ought to get in a band. I said, well, I've never thought about it. And I said, okay, because I looked up to him, and, and uh, I said, well, okay, I'll do that. So I went to talk to the band director, and he said, well, what do you want to play? And I said, I want to play. I didn't even know what it was called, a trumpet. But I, 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 I made a gesture with my fingers like doing the valves, and, but I thought it was like the bugle, you know. But he said, well, you ought to play the trombone. you got long arms. And I think he just needed trombone players. So I said, okay. So that's how I got started with trombone. Yeah, end up line span, so you got pretty good at it. Yeah, I did, did okay. Did line span, too years got to uh, uh, travel uh, one year to Atlantic City where we won the international competition and then the second year I was in it we went to Mexico City and we didn't win that year which is unusual for the Mississippi Lions band they just about win every year I think yeah. they won this past year one of the coolest traditions in our state is our uh, high school band programs I think Amen. Uh, but yeah we, went, we didn't win that year I think we were second or third but yeah the Lions band was an incredible experience in fact I've I've always wanted uh, MPB to do a documentary about the the high school band tradition in Mississippi it's so strong people don't realize how strong it is one of the has been since the 30s or 40s one of the strongest high school band traditions in the country some of the high school bands in these little towns around Mississippi Kosciuszko Forest uh, Hattiesburg a lot of these towns had bands that would almost compete with college bands you know i love i've had two boys go through band now i'm, a, I'm an old football guy right yeah. so i was always sitting under the stadium during the halftime right. show so getting to watch my sons play one played uh 
baritone and the other one plays trumpet now. But going to the band competitions and seeing how proud the parents are, seeing how hard the kids work, seeing how hard they work just even in practice. You know, they're out there in the summertime when it's 104 degrees out there marching on asphalt, you know, getting the programs put together. But so much work. I think a documentary, like you said, would be so well viewed because whenever I post anything about band competitions and so forth, man, it just lights up. People people love talking about, A, not only their children's experience, but their experience. Their experience. And yeah. like I say, this uh, the Mississippi high school band, strong band tradition goes back to the 40s or before maybe. Probably do, 40s. Do you still play? Uh, I, I, I know I, you play I, piano and guitar, and we'll, get, yeah, and we'll touch on that. Yeah, I pretty but. much put the trombone up. I, I've gotten it out over the years, but a trombone, as you, as you know, your son played a brass instrument. You've got to, it takes months of, of practice to get your embouchure back. And it's, you know, you get our age or my age, and it, 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 I just don't have the time to devote to it. Uh, I've I, I spent that time trying to practice guitar and piano, you know. So you're like, hey, Temperance, I'm going to try something new today. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she would like the, the uh, trombone. I think she would hit you with her violin. She would. She probably would. I, I got to tell you, one of my favorite stories is that you were at a com- competition and I think it was down on the coast. I'm not sure. But there was this funny redheaded kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want me to tell you that story? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Okay. That was a, a band clinic yeah. in Biloxi when I was a senior in high school at Callaway. So that's to teach you to become better. That's right. You it's go not down. because you're sick. That's right. Okay, exactly. Okay. Not not that kind of clinic. Okay. But yeah, you, you audition for this clinic and you get picked and you go down and you perform with some of the best high school players in, in the state. And I was lucky enough to, to, to make it and I got down there and uh, I just had a vague memory of this little redheaded kid, a year or two younger than me, that also played trombone that was part of this clinic. Never thought of another thing about it. Well, a couple of years ago... Uh, uh, Somebody, uh, a band director here in Jackson, posted on Facebook the program from this band clinic. And I said, oh, look at this. I was there. And it was the whole program, and it listed all of the, all of the uh, instrumentalists there were in the, in, the, in the first band. They had like two bands, I think, the, the A band, which we were in. And I looked down there. I said, oh, look, trombones. And there, there's my name from way back in 1972. And it said Bill Ellison, and then right beside it, Mac McAnally. No way. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> that redheaded kid that sat by me that I remember that was kind of weird was Mac McAnally. Okay, so then fast forward a, a, a few months. Back about, oh, two years ago, Robert St. John uh, put together, uh, we partnered with Robert and to, to do a uh, fundraiser for Robert's uh, food Extra initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, Robert, asked Mac McAnally to come be part of it. So we did a pledge show here at MPB. So I was asked to be the host. So I was the host. Robert was on there, and Mac was here. So we were down here in the MPB studio, and Mac had his guitar. And, and uh, you know, you stand around, as you well know, uh, to do an MPB television show. You stand around uh, a lot for him to get the lighting right and this and that. So I walked over to Mac, and I said, uh, Look, I'm, I'm, I know you get tired of people approaching you and asking you this and that. And I said, but I'm going to tell you something that uh, you might not know. I said, you and I have played together before. And he just kind of <laughs> looked at me like, what's this guy talking about? And I said, you and I played at a band clinic in 1972 
in the trombone section. And when I got to that point, he lit up. He said, man, I remember that. He said, let me tell you a story. I mean, he lit up. And he said, let me tell you a story about that. He said, my, I was saving my money for a Martin guitar, and I just couldn't scrape up enough money. I wanted a Martin guitar so bad I, it, I, I couldn't stand it. He said, and my dad told me, if you will audition for that band clinic, and if you make it, I'll give you the rest of the money for that Martin guitar. Wow. He said, I did. I got the guitar, and that's the guitar on the album cover that I'm playing on that first record that I did that had the sent his career into that's outer incredible. space. Yeah. That yeah. is absolutely incredible. Great story, but he lit yeah. up. It was, it, 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 it was so pleasing to me that he, he remembered it and lit up. And I had just, I remembered, had a, a vague memory of this little redheaded kid that was kind of odd, you know. He was a couple, of, like I said, a couple of years younger than me. But, uh, and it never, all those years never occurred to me that that was Mac McAnally until I saw that program posted on Facebook. Mac is one of the kindest human beings you'll ever meet. Very Just nice. Incredibly guy, nice guy. I, I, my story with him is when I graduated from college in 91, I couldn't find a job. So I moved back home and worked at night as a night custodian at the high school. And so I would listen to Buffett's Coconut Telegraph album. And of course it has, it's my job, which, yeah. Buff, you know, which Mac wrote. Right. And so Great that, and, and I looked and I saw Mac McAnally. And so I found Mac's music and I'd listen to Mac's music, but I mean, it's my job was the one that would get me through my pity parties every yeah. night when I'm out there <laughs> well, you're cleaning the toilets <laughs> and all this stuff. Right. <laughs> So flash forward, you know, I get to meet him and everything, and, and, and I tell him on that and get to know him. And, and I interviewed him for conversations when we did the show, and he was incredible. I had, at the time, my 14-year-old son there, and Mac told him this incredible story about how he, when he and Jimmy were playing up in Long Island, um, they were doing a warm-up show because they were about to go out on the road, so, but they didn't want to be the main event, so they were opening act, and they didn't publicize it, but it got out anyway. So yeah. Mac's sitting there playing, and, you know, Mac never covers anybody else's music, but he'll play Beatles songs every once in a while yeah. because, like everybody else about our age, he loves the Beatles. So he's sitting there playing, and he looks down, and Sir Paul McCartney's sitting right in front of him. Oh, wow. And he's like, I forgot how to play guitar uh, that day. You know, and a guy who literally can play Little Martha on one guitar instead of two. That's yeah. how good Mac is. And so afterwards, he said, he said, Sir Paul invited him down. He sat with Sir Paul. And then afterwards, they're out in the parking lot. And this is when Mac literally kicks it in. He looks at my son, and he says, now, David, who's my son, he said, David, I, he said, Sir Paul sat there until 2 o'clock in the morning signing autographs and being kind to every single person that walked up to him. And he said, now, David, I want you to understand something. If Sir Paul McCartney, the greatest musician that's lived, can be kind to people, you can too. There you go. Yep. Love Good lesson some, for your son. Love me some Mac. Yep. Uh, we're back with a musician and broadcast legend, Bill mm -hmm. Elson. I threw legend in there, which I think is fair. Because, you know, <laughs> Kevin me... Farrell, the MPB memory bank, uh, literally, um, Kevin remembers everything. And he came in and told us about Mike Morgan's yep. whereabouts. Yeah, he said Mike's uh, living in Birmingham and retired. Excellent. Yep. yep. And I know and we were kind of joking that you and him were saying you're probably the two people that have been at MPB the longest. Yeah, Kevin and I. Uh, yeah. yeah, I came, I, I started uh, hosting Grassroots in May of 1992, and Kevin was here at the time. I believe Kevin was one of the original employees at MPB Radio, which he also just shared with us, he thinks we came on the air here in 84. In 84. And that sounds right to yeah. me. But so. yeah, uh, and I came, like I say, in May of 92, and Kevin was here then. And 
there's no one else here that uh, was here then other than Kevin. So when you're at Ole Miss, you switched from being a music major into broadcasting. Correct. Where did you think you would be when you were 70, nearly 70 years old for your career? I can assure you at that point in my life, I never, that thought never crossed my mind. <laughs> you, you just know, wanted was, a job. That, that yeah. 70 years old didn't exist in my psyche at that point, I don't think. I'm but, not sure. Yeah, does it now, though? Uh, kind of. You know, yeah. we were, it's, it's funny. You and I were talking earlier about being at this stage of life. My stage is uh, getting ready to hit a, a big milestone. You got me by 14 years. Yeah, yeah. I'll hit a big milestone next month and uh it's you know it uh, thinking back it seems just when i walked in the doors here i was 39 and it seems like yesterday truly and, does and, and at the risk of sounding like i'm pan of uh, the pandering host which i'm not <laughs> I, I am a fan i have i'm obviously a fan of your music i'm a fan of your shows i'm a fan of you know you're just you're a good guy i mean i've always i consider you a friend right back at you um but that said also as a guy who's watched his career explode implode get rebuilt and moved and everything else you're also somebody i look up to and and i love the way that you have kind of crafted it because it's like in a way you're open to whatever change comes your way and it doesn't seem like no no i don't get me wrong. When you have a mortgage and kids, I understand. There yeah. is always angst when, you know, the economic side of it. But you have managed to reinvent yourself so many times and so well. Well, you know, I've just been lucky. Honestly, just been very, very lucky. I've worked with some wonderful people. You know, I spent most of my career uh, selling advertising. I spent 12 years at WLBT with some of the, you, you mentioned legend, but some of the legendary people in our in this broadcast market, Woody Asaph, Burt Case, uh, you know, just the yeah. people that uh, Dennis Smith, who was the news director down there. But I spent uh, uh, many years uh, under the tutelage of Dan Modisette and Frankie Thomas. Uh, That's right. To broadcasting legends. And that was a wonderful part of my career. I worked with uh, Love Common Comcast with cable advertising. So most of my career is, is in the advertising field. But I was lucky enough to also kind of get my on-air fix, you know, hosting grassroots and doing up some helping with television pledge here at MPB. So I've well, been you got really a great lucky. voice to begin just, with. I just, mean, I have voice envy. So no, I, mean, I really I, do. Look, I'm just old, you know. <laughs> and and you know the other part. I after I gave up the trombone in college, uh, uh, when I was uh, went to Mexico City with the Lions Band as a senior in high school, I bought a guitar down there because you know you can. We were able to wander wander around in Mexico City, and you know they're just. It was quite an adventure because, you know, we were high school kids from Mississippi wandering around in a foreign country. And, and you know, you can – the coolest thing about that, I don't know if you've ever been down there, but you can barter for whatever oh, sure. you want. Yeah, to, that's you right. Know, it's, that's right. You and so I bartered. I ended up with a guitar for 16 bucks and brought it back on the plane home and had a little, little classical cheap Mexican guitar that was – Got me started. But uh, anyway, I was lucky enough when I gave up trombone and got in broadcasting, I, I at least had the guitar to kind of fall back on. And then, and, you know, after a couple of years out of college, I tried to get serious about learning to play the guitar. And then uh, uh, a friend of mine, Hal Jeans, uh, uh, his mother, I believe, got him a mandolin. And so he and I started our little bluegrass band, the Vernon Brothers, and we're still playing today. And uh so I was lucky that I had that as could keep my, you know, my interest in music as a hobby when I was working and broadcasting. One of my when I moved here, uh, moved here from San Diego in 1996, my boss handed me a copy of Nor Toward Home. 
And he said, if you can ever capture sense of place anywhere near as well as this, you will be a success. And, and I said, well, thank you. And then uh, my boss asked a simple question, why Mississippi? And of course I was like, well, it's a job and it's, you know, my cartooning dream, whatever, whatever. And I, and I got to tell you, I can answer, and I, and I did, I answered this back recently to, to the same boss who's still with us. I said, I'll tell you why Mississippi, because we have absolutely the best musicians, the best artists, the best writers. And the thing is, we're a community that actually we c- compete sometimes, but we're all friends. Yeah. Isn't that the best part of it? Absolutely. I mean, you, you're sitting there naming off names of musicians here. We per capita probably have some of the greatest musicians that probably deserve to be on a much bigger stage, but they're here. Yep. And they're all kind and they're all and i love i mean i love getting them in on the show and just having them talk to them because they're all great storytellers and just right here in jackson some yeah. of the incredible oh most... malico and then you yeah you know, oh yeah here's bobby rush and yep. here's you know yep we're, we're so blessed but yeah you mentioned north toward home i think anybody in mississippi that it should be required reading North Willie's North Toward Home and Richard Grant's uh, Dispatches from Pluto. Yes, I, I mean, yeah. didn't he just knock that out? Yeah, of the park? anybody yeah. Uh, to get to kind of make make you not take Mississippi for granted. Those two will do it. Well, we're storytellers, and yeah. where else is a better place to be than here? Yeah, where, where we can tell stories yeah. on that as well. You you talk about your radio career, and I mean, you were part of one of the greatest radio stations in the nation. I mean, I think I mean you talk to anybody that used to listen to WZZQ, yeah, and that's what they will tell you. It had a cult following. It, it had and a still cult does. following because the people that were on the air they weren't just time and temperature uh, DJs. Right. It was one of the most creative. Uh, a collection of some of the most creative people I think that's ever that ever coalesced into one place at that radio station. I came, came I was kind of a Johnny come lately. I I'd, uh, got a job at WJDX and WZZQ in 1976. Uh, ZZQ had the uh, the genesis was probably 67 or eight, uh, and it was WJDX FM. And uh, but. In 76, it was still rocking pretty good and had some of the legends still there, like Perez yeah. and Sergio Fernandez and Johnny Summer, some of those people. But anyway, that yeah, that was an incredible time. And I, I was kind of Johnny-come-lately, uh, and I also uh, wasn't involved as a DJ. I was a newsman. But they did the give you one slot, did That's they? That's right. I, 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 one of the things I'm most—I can't believe I had the foresight to do this, but uh, the, the program director at the time— uh, was a guy named David Perkins, who was a friend of mine. And I said, David, if if you ever have uh, a slot where you can't fill, one of the DJs can't show up or whatever, I said, I can do that. I've done it before. Call me. And he got in the tight one Friday night. Somebody got sick or something. He said, man, are you sure you can do this? And I said, sure, I can do it. So I got to do one uh DJ slot on WZZQ on a Friday night, so I can say that I did it. So you got a letter for your letter jacket. That's right. Yeah, there you go. A good analogy. The coach put me in. And the one thing I remember about it, I don't know, uh, is that they did a feature album every Friday night back then, and the feature was Cat Scratch Fever, oh, which no was, way. Uh, what was that guy's name? Uh, oh. oh, we're going to have to have Kevin come. I remember it, too. Yeah, yeah anyway, I don't know the song. That's I, the I, one thing I remember. I could actually sing it. I just yeah. can't remember. The, yeah, I you know, remember the You hook. know what was weird? And, and this was just me as a radio listener. And it, now when you get like XM and stuff or Apple, you know, 
whatever it puts the name of the band on there there were so many songs that i knew the songs i just never really knew and i'd think another band sung them and then they're like oh i thought so-and-so sang that you know it's right. just weird now that the names put up there because you had would have to wait when you listen to the radio right because sometimes they'd tell you who it was sometimes they wouldn't and you know on my show i get people uh over the years uh i would get people that would say, man, I wish you would, I wish you would make sure you tell us who that was. And then, you know, I'd get a lot of emails or letters. So I always make sure on my show, I front sell it. I'll tell you who the next three are. And then at the end of the set, usually five or six songs, I'll back sell it. I'll say, okay, we heard so-and-so and so-and-so and before that was so-and-so and before that was so. And I think people appreciate that. They do. And the stories too, that you tell uh, along with it. I'll on do the show. my best. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do all right. You're good on that. ZZQ, when it, when it signed off, that was, um, that was classic way to end it. Yeah, they signed off on a on a I believe it was a Sunday night around the Fourth of July somewhere, and I, I'm not recalling the year eighty early eighties, and uh, uh, Warren Strain if if oh, was yeah. the, the last DJ, yeah. the late Warren Strain, who was a news guy at LBT and did lots of other things. Good buddy of mine. He signed Good it man. off with the doors. The end. And what had happened is the a new company had bought the stations and they were going to change the format to country, and that's a whole other story. And it's but, worked out okay for it. Yeah, I think yeah. they did well. It was a good business decision for them. Well, anyway, they, they go off the air at midnight. Usually they stayed on, but that night they, they just went dark at midnight. And uh, the next morning at 6 a.m., the new company had taken over, and uh, I was a news guy. Randy Bell and I got there at about 5 o'clock every every morning and so randy did the news on 62 jdx and i did the news on wzzq every morning and so i got i got there that morning and the new owners were there and they uh the late bob rawl was there and he was i think the operations manager oh, man. he came to me and he said look we're gonna sign back on at 6 a.m so what we want you to do is he handed me a card and he said you read this card and then do the news and get out. So I walked over to the studio. The new owners were in there, and Bob Rawl was in there. So I sat down at 6 a.m. He pointed at me, and I looked at the card, and it said, It's 6 o'clock at WMSI Jackson. I did the, that was the ID, and I read the news, and they started country. So, so you, were the first, yeah, you were the first, you were the first voice always, on Miss I told them they, they, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they didn't give me the recognition I should have gotten. As there big. should be a plaque somewhere. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or at least first, a t-shirt. The news guy, the first voice on Miss 103. I claim that. Well, you just thrown out some names there. Number one, Bob Rawl had the best traffic reports ever in the history of man. Chopper Bob. Chopper he was Chopper Bob, Bob yeah, on Chopper it. Bob, yep. always talking about the waterworks curve. And, yep. you know, the man, and in fact, he's the one who named the waterworks Curve. Uh, was he really? He was. I did not yeah, know that Bob piece Rob of did truth. do that. And he was, I mean, he literally could read the phone book and make me laugh. He just Bob, was really Bob good. was a mighty talented guy. Yeah. And, you know, he was on, uh, he was one of the first, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, how should I call it? You know, radio back in the 50s and early 60s was pretty, pretty stale, straight ahead. But Bob and Al. Al Simmons and yeah. Bob Rawl had a show on WSLI back in the 60s that was one of the first really entertainment, did a lot of comedy, and they were great. Yeah. So yeah. Bob Rawl was a talented guy. And you mentioned Randy Bill. Randy Bill was such a good news guy that, like, literally I could be driving down the road and I could see a tornado headed toward me, and I would turn on to see if Randy Bell was telling me a tornado was headed toward me. You know, I, I've, uh, that, that's one of the things I've been most proud of in my career in broadcasting was working at 62JDX in the 70s and 
mid-80s and uh, working. I always called it the Randy Bell School of Journalism. That's right. I was hired uh, there by Cindy Brunson, who was the news director, who also, Cindy was uh, a great broadcaster, and then later Randy was the news director. But I got to work with those folks. And in the, I also got to be a part of, uh, they, uh, Randy donated, you probably are familiar with this, a lot of his papers, mm-hmm. a lot of his scripts, a lot of his uh, actualities and news tapes to Mississippi State where Randy graduated. He, he donated that, and they did a really nice uh, 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 event up there surrounding Randy's donating his papers to MSU. And Randy asked me to come up, and I did, and the— uh, the president of the university was there and they did it really nice, had a little reception and all. And I was so proud to be a part of that. Then later they did a documentary concerning Randy doing that. And I got to be a part of that. And I, I, you know, I I just, that's one of the, the proudest I am of anything I've done in my career is, is my years with Randy at 62 JDX, because we, we did radio news back then, like it should have been done. And when you mentioned tornado, we were the go-to station, you know, back then, you know, you didn't have these storm chasers back then that you could uh, get online and watch. Uh, we 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 covered it, and I uh, was really proud of those days. I That's a pretty powerful a, statement for you to say, though, of, of all the things you did in your career, that you're as proud of that. Well, I, I was uh, because yeah. we, you know, we had a th- that was back when radio news was. Uh, you know, you didn't have internet then. You didn't have cell phones. If there was a spot news that happened, like a, a tornado, uh, the only way you were going to find out about that t- television then they didn't do live stuff. You know, yeah. you, they did six o'clock news and ten o'clock news. The only way people found out what was going on and if they needed to take cover or make preparations was on the radio and 62 JDX back then was the go-to station. You mentioned documentary about, and you, we kind of forgot to mention there is going to be one on ZZQ. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine by the name of Ann Ford uh, has put together this documentary and she has done an incredible job. Actually, the, the kind of the genesis is that Ann and her husband and my wife and I, a couple of our neighbors, were sitting around a little bonfire in the fire pit one one night. We got to talking about CCQ, and I said, somebody ought to do a documentary. It's one of those. I said, I wish MPB would do. But Ann took the ball and ran with it. Ann had worked with the Turner Networks over in Atlanta. She's a smart, smart uh, person with a lot of uh, uh, documentary and, and creative background. But she was uh, – uh, she put this together, and she – interviewed Sergio Fernandez before he died. Uh, she, uh, she's in, she's gone to New York and interviewed people. She's been to L.A. to interview Bill Fitzhugh and Victor Hawkins and other people that were involved in WZZQ. Long story short, she has done an amazing job with this. It's just about complete, and from what I understand, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag or say something I shouldn't say, but I think that it will air on MPB. Nice. at some point in the future. So I'm real happy about that. But Ann has done a, an amazing job with this. So if you're a ZZQ junkie, stay tuned. I can't wait. I'm very, very fortunate to have uh, Jackson legend Bill Ellison in here, MPB legend as well. 
And of course, you're getting to do some stuff with the foundation too, still. Yeah, and you're, yeah. uh, can I, it's nice because I can come in here on a Monday and I can see you every once in a while and say a big hello. And you're zipping one way and I'm zipping the other. But it's just always good to see you in the building. Well, thank you. Right back at you. And, and like you said though earlier, I think I've, I'm lucky enough to kind of uh, you know be semi-retired and I still get to come to MPB and walk the halls and help out a little bit here and there. And I, I kind of got it down to a. Uh, the perfect kind of groove for me. I like your style of retirement, though. Yeah. You play a little piano on one day, yeah. you get to go play with, with your friends on the next, and your musical career, that was kind of a happy accident that's turned into really a lot of fun, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to do a lot of things. And you work with good people, too. Oh, absolutely. I've gotten, I'm so lucky to play with some of the, you know, there are a lot of my friends, and but i played with some of the most incredible musicians. You know, I mentioned the Vernon Brothers earlier. We played together. Connie and Hal Jeans and, yeah. and and I and and many others that uh, we played together for what forty years or more, and then played with uh, Jeff Perkins and Temperance Babcock, our little trio. We got to do a really cool thing back in October. We played, we were featured with the Mississippi Symphony out at Renaissance, and that was one of the coolest things we've ever done. Vernon Brothers years ago, we were played with the symphony, and that was one of the coolest things I got to play. Mickey Davis and I was a great fiddler of the late Mickey Davis. We got to play uh, uh, dueling banjos with the symphony. Oh, wow. You know, um, um, imagine the thrill I got from playing da 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 on my guitar and then hearing the cellos. It was so cool. That is cool. But, yeah, yeah, we've done that. Uh, Vernon Brothers uh, played for president george bush when he came to town one time we got to do that i think uh temperance and jeff and i are going to play another uh concert with the mso this coming or in 24 so i'm looking forward to that but uh yeah and get to play piano next week you get to play piano for the uh at the two museums for the governor's arts awards so i absolutely loved um your story about how you just picked decided you wanted to get really good at piano and it's really turned into something that's almost like very therapeutic for you to get to go play i've enjoyed that more than anything i've ever done my mother-in-law gave us a piano years ago and i, I decided five or six years ago i said i, I, I gotta at least play one song because i had you know i was a music major at first in college so i took a little class piano but all i learned was a couple of scales you know yeah. so i said i gotta at least learn one song so i can sit down so i did and it kind of got out of hand and learned a lot of songs and and started playing out a little bit but no I'm not really good at piano but I just try to I, my little what little stuff I can do I try to make it musical and hey that's all you can do so you get to go hang out and play now where, I forgot where you play every every week well I played for uh, a long time down at the uh, Fairview Inn that's right, right. I and remember then that. and then I played at the Weston some kind of a regular little gig down there COVID knocked out a lot of that you I know? did no that was uh, tough time for all musicians yeah yeah. But I've gotten, I, I, I've kind of gotten it down now to uh, uh, a good groove with that. I, you know, I play, I don't play a lot. I don't play anywhere regularly, but I, things keep popping up. I played back, uh, got to play, there's a Steinway down at the governor's mansion. I've played that three or four times for some private events. And actually next week, uh, the reception after the governor's awards for the arts commission, I'll get to play that. Oh, that's great. Wonderful piano again. And it is something. You know, we were talking with Lacey before the show. We, we, we were talking, you know, Lacey and I both joke that we both have anxiety, so we tend to worry about things all the time. And, uh, you know, that's just part of Correct. Uh, it's part of being in the media business, I think. I think it's diagnosed it's, at this point. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty normal, but that's, I mean, it's, it also makes you, it's your superpower, also. Lacey's you so? a whiz kid. Oh, she is. Oh, she's amazing. 
I used to call. Uh, well, I mean, I gave her a lot of grief about you know Alabama and about their coach quitting and stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I, this is the week where I say all these nice things to try to to kiss up a little bit. And the next week we'll go back to trading punches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're like an old married couple. Yeah, so. <laughs> an old married anxious couple. <laughs> exactly, on that. But seriously, um, Bill, like I said, you and I were talking a little bit about just the philosophy of life and how to view things and how to view change and so forth. And it's truly is, it's like you have no control of what's happened. You have no control of what's going to happen, but you have control is what you're doing at, the, at any given moment. And if you know what, you're grateful and you enjoy it and you're having a good time. And really, honestly, when I watch you, you do seem like you have mastered that. Well, I, I don't think so. I haven't mastered anything. I don't think, but I, but okay, one well, that's thing smart I too. if you realize that you had mastered it, then you're ahead of a lot of well, people too. The one thing that I have learned i think as i've gotten older i may have gotten just a touch of some wisdom and that is to what you just said to be grateful i just think back how lucky i am to have been able to host grassroots all these years and how uh you know back in the 90s i got busy busy with kids and family and work and everything and i almost it was taking a lot more time uh, th than i thought i could devote to grassroots almost resigned you know almost mm. but i'm so glad i didn't because it's one it's been one of the treasures of my life but but yeah just the wisdom of of being grateful for for where you are and what you have and and how lucky i've been you know just to to have these wonderful friends that i have that i get to play music with and they've put up with me and because i'm weird and <laughs> you know, they, they've overlooked a lot of things, and I still am friends with them and get to play with them, and that's just such a blessing. Definitely. You know, you, you ran off and went to Memphis, but you came back. Why did you come back to Mississippi? Well, I— uh, uh, I mean, that's technically still Mississippi. It's Memphis. Yeah. It's the other it, capital Mostly Mississippi. family, just yeah, family. family. Yeah. I was away from family, but, but that short— time I spent in Memphis was, was valuable to me because I got to work at a real big station there, WMC channel five and the radio stations. And it was, it was a whole new adventure and I enjoyed it very much. Memphis yeah. is a great town and I, I, I still visit there and have friends there, but yeah. working, working for the radio at uh, channel five has always been the big station in Memphis. And it, it was just a great adventure as a, as a young pro. I was still in my 20s i guess when i lived there and i just uh there were some great broadcasters there at the time and i just one of my favorite memories i don't know if you if, if a lot of people in north mississippi and around memphis will remember back in those days their their uh station id on channel five every night was they threw up the old river boat and they said it's 10 o'clock and at wmc and then they had the the whistle for the steamboat that oh, that's was nice. kind of the, yeah. uh, creates a sense of place. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So, you know, Ole Miss has been great. They've, they've honored you. They've had you back and so forth. If you were to go back right now and you were to drive up and you were to talk to broadcasting classes and music classes and talk to students and give them some advice, what advice would you give them? I would advise them to not try to, uh, project out too much like you and I were talking about earlier project out meaning not try to now plan your goals and make goals but but don't feel like you've you have to accomplish this I have to make this amount of money I have to do that enjoy the ride 
slow down, enjoy the ride, and be grateful for what you're doing right now and realize that this is not permanent. There's a next step, and don't be too anxious for that next step to get here. Enjoy the step where you are now. I, I, you know, I'm right now doing a big amen. Good. My two oldest boys are out of the house now, and one of them's out now out of state, which is, you know, not yep. far away, but still, you know, we have to get in the car and drive for five hours to go see them. And it just seemed like when they were little, that time went by so Ooh, slowly. My goodness. And then, you know, but I miss them so much. Oh, man, me too. You know, just yeah. hang on to the moment. I've got three, and yeah. they're all, of course, grown and living their own lives. And I, I'm lucky that I see them all regularly and have good relationships with all of them. And, but I've tried. But I, I do. I think back about that, Marshall, a lot. And I always have these, I, don't, I won't say regrets, but thinking, did I spend enough time with them? Did I teach them this? Did I, I should have done this. I should have pushed them more into music or this. Yeah. You know, you always wondered, did you do enough? And did you enjoy it enough? Because it passes so fast. It's just incredible. Just a blank. Yep. It's just an absolute blank. I still have a 16-year-old in the house because, you know, every 56-year-old needs a 16-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, he is the joy of my life. Of course. I love having him there. You know, it's yep. just fun. And and it's great. But like you said, you just hang on to it. And and I think the other thing is, too, and I think a lot of times we just get caught up in moments that we think is, oh, this is awful or this is terrible. And, you know, I know you've had career it, moments and I've had career moments. I mean, I remind myself, you know, when I was a high school custodian after college, which I thought I had fallen on my face, I met a lady who set me up with her daughter who I've been married to for 30 years, you know, there you go. So, you, you never know, know, you never know where the blessings are going to come. That's right. And so, and just looking at your career and I've got two pages mm -hmm. of notes and I feel like I haven't touched half of it, you know, but you, you've got, I mean, for instance, to think about the things you get to do, you got to you got to interview Emily Lou Harris. I did. That, that, that's one of speaking of a highlight. Uh, back when Ken Burns did the uh, documentary, the country music documentary. Yeah. You no, know, Ken Burns did Civil War. One of the oh, just incredible best filmmakers. Shelby Foote, yeah. rock star. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he's done documentaries on jazz, baseball, the Civil War. I mean, but when he did country music, oh, that was so anticipated by my circle of friends and that was what 2019 i think well uh, pre-pandemic yeah, so that was five, yeah. 500 years ago so uh mpb decided to do a companion piece to ken burns piece and we of course we first thought of of marty stewart but then we kind of learned that marty was such a big part of ken's yeah documentary so john gibson director of television came to me and and tywell gainer and the creative people here and they kind of said, you got any ideas? You know, we're not going to do Marty. Who else? And I said, well, how about Carl Jackson? And they weren't familiar with Carl. And I said, you know, I've always learned, felt like Carl Jackson was the most famous Mississippian nobody knows. So we decided to do, uh, they contacted Carl. He was agreeable. And we decided to do a documentary on Carl Jackson. It was called Meet Carl Jackson. And he was, knew everybody. He knew everybody. It was just wonderful. And everybody in the music business knew Carl and loved Carl and respected Carl. You know, Carl has won Grammys. He's a, Carl and Mac are a lot alike in that they respect. They are, yep. Yeah. Well, Carl, Carl is a multi-instrumentalist. He played banjo for Glenn Campbell. He's produced records for everybody. He's sung on everybody's record. In fact, Linda Ronstadt said... I think in this documentary referred to Carl as the Mary and Joseph of Harmony. I, I just thought that was great. But um, 
So anyway, we do this documentary, and we and 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 John Gibson, our our uh, director of television, said, "Well, Carl, can you like suggest some people that might be agreeable to be in our documentary?" He said, "Yeah, I think so." And next thing we know, he's got Dolly Parton, Vince Gill, Emmy Lou Harris, Linda Ronstadt, Jim and Jesse, oh, Vince Gill. All these people said, "Yeah, if it's about Carl, we want to be in it." So I was lucky enough that uh, uh, John and the other folks at MPB television let me go with them to Nashville and and interview Emmy Lou Harris it was just a highlight we got to go to Emmy Lou's home and uh, I walked they they took us upstairs to her music room and there all these guitars that I'd seen on album covers over the years the beautiful Gibson with the roses on it and all it was just surreal and uh, walking down the hall uh, you, you know there's a there's a picture of Graham Parsons in her in her hallway. It, it was just great, but uh, Bill, just what like I, this show has been great. I tell you, you what, I need to have you back sometime soon because I just love sitting down and talking to you. Well, I, I don't know why you would want to have me on here, but I appreciate you're you. You're a doing great it. storyteller. Thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening. A special thanks to to Bill Ellison for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, guess what? You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app on our MPB Public Media app. Now you're talking is a production of MPB Think Radio with episode and podcast produced by the incredible Lacey Alexander. And join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Y'all have a great week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.